For those who walk in faith, the completion of their life's journey will deposit them in the eternal presence of God. This place is similar to where man had his beginning, even in the Garden of Eden, the paradise of God. This place is accessed by childlike faith. When Adam and Eve walked in faith, every morning was a beautiful postcard sky. Immortality was just a short walk to the tree of life, and they lived in paradise, tending the garden of God. But when faith in God's word was replaced with unbelief, followed by faith in Satan's word, everything was turned upside down. For the fallen sons and daughters of Adam, unbelief is how the curse of sin and death began, and unbelief is the staple of their destruction. It doesn't have to be that way. God has made a way of escape, and that way is a person, and that person is God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ the righteous. John fourteen six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Have you been born again, born a very real second time, this time of the Spirit of God, as Jesus declares in John 3, 3? At this place, everything changes. The repentance of your sins and your faith in Christ's cleansing blood makes everything brand new. Make that decision today, and all your sins and its shame will be washed away. Make that decision today, and all of Satan's bondages, no matter how big, will be broken. In just a few moments, I will ask you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, your change will begin now. Make your decision today, and your new life begins. Even your new name will be recorded on your new heavenly birth certificate registered in the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. Today you can participate in the greatest miracle man can know. Here comes the prompt. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Romans 1, 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God said, Psalms 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Man said, Dr. Susan Blackmore writes in the Independent, January 2004, In the end, nothing matters, and everything is impermanent and you can't hang on to anything. If you really think about evolution and why we human beings are here, you have to come to the conclusion that we are here for absolutely no reason at all. That can be very scary, but it can also be comforting. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1020. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as a platform from which to engage the lost sons of men. 
every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Take advantage of five highly beneficial God said, man said features. One, you have questions, God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword into the search bar top right and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. Two, use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It's so quick and easy. Three, imagine you can download nearly 414 hours of God said, man said features to your electronic device. Listen to one every day. Number four, sign up for the God Said, Man Said weekly broadcast, and fresh bread will be delivered to you, God willing, every Thursday eve. And number five, follow God Said, Man Said on Facebook and Instagram and give your social media feed the fresh bread it needs. Thank you for coming. In Christ Jesus, today is the best day of your life, and tomorrow will be better. Romans 8.28, Proverbs 4.18. It all started in the certainty of beautiful faith, and then came the fall of man, which was a product of the evil heart of unbelief. That is how it started, and that is how it ends. The entirety of what we have to deal with is an issue of faith or unbelief. Romans 14.23 defines sin, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you desire to please God, faith is foundational. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The intelligence quotient is a result of faith or unbelief. If one fears God and consequently embraces His word in faith, he or she will be wise and grow in wisdom. Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. If one approaches life in unbelief, he or she will function with a reprobate or worthless mind. Romans 1, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This group of unbelievers might sound intellectually sophisticated, but their conclusions will be utter foolishness and will continue to grow in foolishness, as this feature will demonstrate. A concept penned in 2 Thessalonians 2.10 called The Deceivableness of Unrighteousness is a sign of the ultimate end of days. Unrighteousness is unbelief and its deeds, whereas righteousness is faith and its deeds. The word righteousness is first coined by God in his description of Abraham, who is known as the father of faith, Genesis fifteen six, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 12, deals precisely with the ominous days that are upon us. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. 
Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. When he who now letteth, which is God's restraining spirit, John sixteen seven through 11, is removed from the earth, simultaneously the church is caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. Of those who remain, those who have rejected the cross of Christ, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Surely strong delusion is knocking at the door. When faith is replaced with unbelief, everything is turned upside down. Good will become evil, and evil will become good. Isaiah five twenty and 21, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Example. In the beginning we were made in the marvelous image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. However, according to the camp of unbelief, you and I purportedly evolved from a living single-celled organism from a warm, mysterious, lifeless, primordial puddle, which itself was a product of an equally mysterious Big Bang out of basically nothing. Oh, and I should mention that one of the latest discoveries in the camp of unbelief is that your cousin is a mushroom. When the devil leads, Dumbo is the result. The camp of the naturalist is totally built on unbelief, and there is no place for the God of the supernatural. Foundational to evolution is the doctrine of uniformitarianism. This concept states that in regard to the geology of the earth, the present is the key to the past. In other words, everything is commencing at a uniform rate, so by measuring the Earth's history that we know, we can then calculate backwards to establish the age of the Earth. This theory is fraught with problems, and two of the greatest would be Adam and Eve and Noah. If today's academics would have come upon Adam, the first man, just five minutes after God made him, they would have naturally assumed history ancestors, but there was none. If today's academics had come upon Eve just five minutes after she opened her eyes, they would have naturally assumed history, ancestors, but there was none. 
the abrupt appearance of human life would not be labeled uniform by anyone. It's noteworthy that a colossal amount of credible third-party attestation says yes to God's word, but there is no such proof for the evolutionists. Imagine the consternation in the camp of unbelief when the field of microbiology recently certified that all humans alive today are the offspring of one single mother they call mtDNA Eve and a common father they know as Y chromosome Adam. In Genesis chapter 6 through 10, the Bible records the global flood in the days of Noah, where everything was destroyed that had the breath of life in its nostrils with the exception of the inhabitants of the ark. A global catastrophic flood would not be labeled uniform by anyone. Today there are marine fossils near and on the peaks of the world's mountains. Three-quarters of the earth is covered with flood strata. Today's water level is 300 to 400 feet higher than it was in ancient times. Nearly all fossils show that the creature was destroyed by water action and approximately 500 ancient non-Christian societal records tell of a Noah-like judgment by God falling upon mankind. Uniformitarianism just doesn't hold water. Most are not aware of what evolutionists say amongst their own. In the book Evolutionists Say the Oddest Things, published by Creation Book Publishers and edited by Lita Cosner, you'll find the following from two of their leading voices. Our willingness to accept scientific claims that are against common sense is the key to an understanding of the real struggle between science and the supernatural. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failures to fulfill many of its extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated just-so stories, because we have a a prior commitment, a commitment to materialism. It is not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept the material explanation of the phenomenal world, but on the contrary, that we are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, That materialism is absolute, for we cannot allow a a divine foot in the door. Richard Lewontin, professor of biology, and Alexander Agassiz, professor of zoology at Harvard University. Under the heading, Atheists Don't Want There to Be a God. I am talking about something much deeper, namely the fear of religion itself. I speak from experience, being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true, and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Thomas Nagel, professor of philosophy, law of New York University, uh, that's what he had to say. In his book, Creation, Dr. Jeffrey quotes Darwin in regard to the, uh, one of the masterpieces of design 
the eye. Darwin says this, To suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. End of quote. If Darwin only knew in the mid-1800s what medical science now knows about the human eye, his popularization of evolution might not have seen the light of day. Answers in Genesis republished a feature authored by Dr. David Menton titled, Can Evolution Produce an Eye? Not a Chance! On August 19 of 2017, some of the calculations concerning the Cray supercomputer would need updated, but the idea will be clear. Excerpts follow. The human brain consists of approximately 12 billion cells, forming 120 trillion interconnections. The light-sensitive retina of the eye, which is really part of the brain, contains over 10 million photoreceptor cells. These cells capture the light pattern formed by the lens and convert it into complex electrical signals, which are then sent to a special area of the brain where they are transformed into the sensation we call vision. In an article in Byte magazine, April 85, John Stevens compares the signal processing ability of the cells in the retina with that of the most sophisticated computer designed by man, the Cray supercomputer. While today's digital hardware is extremely impressive, it is clear that the human retina's real-time performance goes unchallenged. Actually, to simulate 10 milliseconds, one-hundredth of a second, of the complete processing of a given, uh, uh, excuse me, of even a single nerve cell from the retina would require the solution of about 500 simultaneous nonlinear differential equations 100 times and would take at least several minutes of processing time on a Cray supercomputer, keeping in mind that there are 10 million or more such cells interacting with each other in complex ways, it would take a minimum of 100 years of Cray time to simulate what takes place in your eye many times every second. If a computer is obviously the product of intelligent design, how much more obviously is the eye a product of intelligent design? And yet evolutionists are dead certain that the human eye and everything else in nature came into being by pure chance and the intrinsic properties of nature. Evolutionists occasionally admit that it is difficult for even them to believe such a thing. Ernst Mayer, for example, has conceded, It is considerable strain on one's credulity to assume that finely balanced systems, such as certain sense organs, the eye of vertebrates or the bird's feathers could be improved by random mutations. Proteins have been called informational macromolecules because their amino acid sequence spells out information in much the same way as the letters of the alphabet can be arranged to form a sentence or a paragraph. We can appreciate the improbability of randomly assembling one of the essential proteins of life by considering the probability of randomly assembling the letters of the alphabet to form even a single phrase in English. Imagine if we were trying to spell out the 23 letters and spaces in the phrase, the theory of evolution, 
by using the evolutionary principle of chance. We might proceed by randomly drawing characters from a Scrabble set consisting of the 26 letters of the alphabet plus a space for a total of 27. The probability of getting any particular letter or space in our phrase using this method will be one chance out of 27 expressed as 1 27th. The probability of getting all 23 letters and spaces in the order required for our phrase can be calculated by multiplying together the probability of getting each letter and space 1 27th times 1 27th times 1 27th for a total of 23 times. This calculation reveals that we could expect to succeed in correctly spelling our phrase by chance approximately once in 800 million trillion trillion draws. If we were to hurry the process along and draw our letters at the rate of a billion per second, we could expect to spell our simple little phrase once in 26,000 trillion years. But even if this is a virtual certainty compared to the probability of correctly assembling any one of the known biological proteins by chance. The 500 amino acids that make up an average-sized protein can be arranged over 1 times 10 to the 600 power different ways. That's the number 1 followed by 600 zeros. This number is vastly larger than the total number of atomic particles that could be packed into the known universe. Evolutionists counter that the whole probability argument is irrelevant since evolution is utterly purposeless and thus never tries to make anything in particular. They insist, moreover, that natural selection makes the impossible possible. But evolutionists were vigorously challenged on this claim by mathematicians in a symposium held at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. The proceedings were published in the book Mathematical Challenges to the Neo-Darwinian Interpretation of Evolution. Murray Eden, professor of engineering at MIT, said, The chance emergence of man is like the probability of typing at random a meaningful library of 1,000 volumes using the following procedure. Begin with a meaningful phrase, retype it with a few mistakes, Make it longer by adding letters, then examine the result to see if the new phrase is meaningful. Repeat this process until the library is complete. End of quote. We can see them, but they can't see us. We understand their vacuous thoughts because we once thought them too. We know where they are, but they can't find our location because it's only accessed by faith and it is only spiritually discerned. Daniel 12.10 speaks of the days running up to the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. When one begins their search for truth in unbelief, which is the deceivableness of unrighteousness, that one will find his or her end where unbelief goes. When one begins their journey in faith, his or her end is an eternally glorious new beginning. Today, choices are being made. Choose Christ and live forever. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Romans 1, 28, 
and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God said, Psalms 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Man said, Dr. Susan Blackmore writes in The Independent, January 2004, In the end, nothing matters, and everything is impermanent, and you can't hang on to anything. If you really think about evolution and why we human beings are here, you have to come to the conclusion that we are here for absolutely no reason at all. That can be very scary, but it can also be comforting. Now you have the record.